Deep in the night, your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed, you'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Hello and welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday Where we tell your odd but true stories It is the first Friday of 2024 This is how we talk now in the new year (laughs) Yes, I've made an announcement Everyone please begin speaking more formally Which sounds like Kind of my Ebenezer Scrooge voice, I think, honestly. It's it's our fancy British person voice (laughs) is kind of what it is. (laughs) Uh, Well, we are uh, recording this on your birthday eve, but I would like to say congratulations on having a fantastic birthday. Thank you. And happy belated. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. All of those in one. Birthday eve and a belated. And on my actual birthday, we will have a great time together. Yes, I'm very excited about our plans. We'll share all about it afterwards. But before that, we have to share all of your odd but true stories, which Chrissy, our story sommelier, has (laughs) curated a flight of stories that run the gamut. So uh, I'm excited to share these. These, a couple of them gave me some raised eyebrows. Oh, yes. Some pauses. I had to do a little digging to see if I could figure out what one of them talking about we'll get to that spoiler alert i have not found it so uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll discuss it more when we get there <laughs> we're on this journey together that's why yes. we've all gathered here today so thank you all for being here with us that and for our announcement that we talk like this <laughs> in the year of 2024 2024 thank you and with that we will begin our stories yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh all the one-star reviews They were doing fine, but then, I don't know, 2024 really took a downward spiral. They started talking in this voice that I just hated. I couldn't get into it every time. They would say, like, I'm Christy and I'm Heather. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Everything sounds like a riddle. (laughs) That's what I love. Love it. You keep people on their toes. You don't know what to expect. Well, let's get into it. Well, for the sake of everyone's sanity, we will just speak normally today. Backing off of it. Except for right now. I'm Christy. And I'm Heather. And let's get into it. (laughs) This is what happens when we record at 10 o'clock at night, which is not something we normally do. (laughs) It's a little wheels off in the evening, but you get the late night. This is normally reserved for the balcony. Yeah, this is Sinisterhood After Dark. This is normally reserved for just on the balcony (laughs) for your neighbors. Except... I am fully sober. Same, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're just goofy because it's late. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, this first story we have is from Allie. We're starting off 2024 strong with this subject line. The time a vampire stole a bird and asked if he could take my picture. This is the energy we're going into 2024 <laughs> with, Allie. Thank you. Thank you. 
Hi, ladies. I obviously have to sing the obligatory praises for your podcast. <clears throat> I started listening after you were guests on National Park After Dark. It was hooked after I had to pull over on a four-hour drive, listening to Christie's In-N-Out story from laughing so hard I was crying. I want to thank you for the respectful and thoughtful way you cover cases and stories. You ladies were with me every mile while I spent six months training for a marathon and every step while I ran the race. You made going out for two-hour runs every day fun. It was like I had two friends encouraging me the whole time. When you started the Freaky Friday segment, I thought I didn't have a story to share. However, recent stories and a trip to my hometown have brought back memories that I had long suppressed. I grew up in a small Midwest farm town. I'm talking one stoplight total. When I was 15, I started working at one of the few restaurants in town. At the time, this was by far the nicest and most chic restaurant and bar we had. I was a hostess there from 15 all the way to when I graduated high school and went off to college. I absolutely loved working there and cherished that time. The restaurant had two sides, the dining side and the tavern side, split right down the middle. The dining side had low-top tables and the open-concept kitchen, and the tavern side had high-top tables, a lounge area, and the impressive bar. The layout of the restaurant is important to the story, I promise. Both were long and rectangular sides, connected at the front by an arched doorway. When you walk in the front door, you're immediately at the host stand on the dining side. If you go left, you go through the arch door and into the tavern side. From the host stand, you can see the lounge area with a few cozy leather chairs and a fireplace. Okay, now that we have this covered, I can talk about Vampire. I met Vampire shortly after I started working there at the age of 15. I couldn't drive yet, so I had to be driven to work by my parents. I normally only worked Friday and Saturday nights and brunch on Sunday mornings. While driving out and about, we would occasionally see a tall, slender man walking through the town wearing an oversized leather coat. He was bald and pale and probably in his mid-30s. I never thought much of it until he came into the restaurant one day. It was a Sunday after the brunch rush. There weren't many people left in the place. He asked if he could sit in the lounge area, to which I replied yes. He went over, sat in the chair that faced the host stand, ordered a cup of decaf, and just sat. For hours. I would occasionally catch him staring at me, and I felt uncomfortable. But since I was 15, I had no idea what to do. Over the next few months, he would come in, only when it wasn't busy, and sit always paid in cash. He would start to get more bold with staring, not just at me, but the other waitresses as well. I eventually would move the host stand out of the doorway when he would sit in the lounge so that I wasn't in his eyesight. He would adjust the chair every time so that I was. Then things started to get really weird. He started giving his favorite waitress love notes, I can't recall exactly what they said, but he would sit in the lounge and write in a small notebook and then leave the notes after he left. They said something along the lines of, I feel my heart flutter when our eyes meet. Our forbidden love will one day flourish. Something like that. 
Everyone was uncomfortable with him in the restaurant and would be on edge whenever they had to serve him. One morning, I was outside sweeping off the sidewalk when I noticed a dead bird. I notified one of the busboys so that he could take care of it because there was no way I was touching that. He said he would take care of it in a bit, and that was that. Shortly after we opened, I see Vampire walk by the large front windows. He paced a few times in front of the restaurant, looking in to see if we were busy. I then see him stop, look down at where I had seen the dead bird, and pause. He then walked in and quietly asked if he could use the bathroom. I nodded, and he walked to the bathrooms. A few minutes later, he walked back outside, a few paper towels stuffed in his leather jacket. My mouth dropped as I saw him bend down near the dead bird, pick it up, and put it in his pocket. He then walked away, and I didn't see him again that day. What? What was he doing with that? I walked outside after he left, and sure enough, the bird was gone. I was dumbfounded. It is worth noting that Vampire had a friend that would occasionally come in with him. His friend was shaggy-haired and slightly unkempt. One time, his friend came in, asked to use the bathroom, and walked out with wet hair. Yep, he washed his hair in our bathroom sink. It is worth saying that we did not have any sort of unhoused population in our town, ever. It was too small and rural. Anyway, what was I going to do at 15 years old? Tell him, no, he can't use the bathroom. I always got a weird and uneasy vibe from these two. The looks they would give us, the hushed way they would lean over and chat with each other, still gives me goosebumps over a decade later. As if it couldn't get any weirder, here we go. One time, Vampire and his friend came in. Instead of asking to sit in the lounge like they normally did, they asked to sit at a table. But not just any table. The worst table in the restaurant. It was near the back on the dining side, up against a wall, right next to the kitchen and the server expo area. Every employee had to walk past this table to take dishes back, get food, ring in something, etc. So it was not an ideal spot. So when they asked to sit there, when the restaurant was almost empty, I got a weird feeling. I sat them and let the server deal with them. Part of my job as a hostess was to bust tables and reset them, so I had to walk by that table a lot. Every time I did, they stared, and then they would whisper. I was so uncomfortable, but I knew I had to keep doing my job. So, I did. I was standing at the host stand, which was in front of this table, sorting out the reservations for later, when Vampire approached me from behind and asked if I could come to their table because they had a question. I shakily obliged. This was the first time he had ever interacted with me like that. I walked over, and they both stared at me. I hoped they had a question about the menu, even though they never ordered food. Vampire spoke up while his friend looked at me. So, uh, my friend here is an artist, and he took one look at you and thought you were so beautiful and insisted that he take a photo of you so he can draw you. We will send you a copy when it's done. You're just so beautiful. I stood there dumbfounded. I had no idea what to say. He continued, we can pay you $20 for it too. Please just let him take a photo of you. 
I wanted to say no so badly, but was afraid and I clammed up. Thankfully, just then, my manager, who was a total mama bear, called me over to the kitchen, saying she needed something. I excused myself without giving an answer and went over to her. She didn't need anything. She was rescuing me from this encounter. She told me to go call my dad for a ride and to go home and to wait in the office until he got there. I went in her office and cried. Looking back at the time, I truly did think that he wanted to just draw me. Now, I can think of a few things he would do with that picture, and none of them are innocent. I never saw him again after that in the restaurant. I think that was enough finally for the manager to ask them to leave and never come back. I would see him walking around town every so often, and then after that, never saw him or his friend again. I truly hope they got the mental help they clearly needed. But I still get the heebie-jeebies whenever I go home and go to my favorite restaurant and see those chairs. Thank you, ladies, for all that you do, and thank you for taking the time to read this story. Since then, I've learned many lessons, and one is that it's okay to be rude. It may end up helping you out in the end. Keep it rude and keep it creepy. Love, Allie. Wow. There is a a lot of, uh, I feel a lot of relation to this story of like having been young, working in restaurants, people saying things or talking to you that way and having like a mama bear manager be like, no, like I'm stepping in. It's one thing if you want to sit over there and be weird and drink coffee, but you are not going to proposition. Yeah. First of all, come on now. (laughs) But he's like, I can't get too jacked if I'm going to sit here and drink, you know, drink it all day. You know, he might have a, you know, give you heart palpitations or something. Well, he knows he's got to be up all night because, you know, that's when he hunts. So (laughs) I'm surprised he was out in the daytime (laughs) given his, he was, should have been home in his coffin he's like i should be sleeping now (laughs) i know exactly what this feels Mm -hmm. like Allie. that feeling of i'm young this is an adult i'm Mm -hmm. at work so there's that power imbalance of like well even though i'm uncomfortable like it's a customer rude yeah it's a customer the customer's always right i'm i can't say anything like whatever i'm probably making a big deal out of it mama bear bless you and i think Hopefully now we're in an era where it would be way less likely for a 15-year-old to take this, but also mm-hmm. that many other people would be looking around going, nah, we're not playing this today, vampire. Get up. Get get out of here. Go back to your cave. We're not doing <laughs> <Yeah>, this. Go <laughs> right. fly away in, in bat form. Get out of here. But yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. I think so. Even just like the staring at a young girl, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even any type of plausible deniability, picking up the bird. I have no explanation for that other than some people or just he maybe he needed to suck on the blood. I don't know. <laughs> or... But, he was gonna bury it, or I mean, don't touch yeah, a dead bird. None of, all of, give it if that was the only thing he'd done, okay. Mm-hmm. But given the rest of it, Mm-mm. nah. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't think we would. Any of us would abide just some guy in a long leather duster staring at our fifteen-year-old hostess. So I'm, uh, I'm glad that you had that manager, Allie, and uh, thank you for letting us be in your ears and help you train for that marathon. Congratulations on that, and. Uh, we're glad that we could uh, be there in your ears because I'm not going to run a marathon, but good for you for doing it. 
Yeah, I like that we got taken on a marathon because that's <laughs> the only time I'll run one. So I appreciate that we got, I felt like I was there in spirit. Yes, thank you. And congratulations. Yeah, for sure. That's not no easy feat. So thank you so much for sending that in. And Vampire, wherever you are. Watch out. We see you. Yeah, we're on the hunt. You don't see yourself in the reflection of that mirror, but we (laughs) see you. You can't see you, but we see you. We're on your ass. (laughs) Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this next one's from Jess, and it's called, Maybe I Shouldn't Think He's Making a Joke. Hey, ladies, someone suggested your podcast to me, and I'm currently playing catch up and loving it. I was going to wait to send this in, but decided this couldn't wait. So my parents owned a local corner store in our small town, and that's where I grew up. We had plenty of regulars, many of which were kind of odd, but this guy will forever make me question what is truly going on in people's heads. One of our regulars would come in at least three times a week and always bought the same thing, a paper and a true moo. He would often joke with me when we ran out of the chocolate milk about how we better get some in or else. I never took it to heart or considered it threatening. One day after he left, my brother asked me if that made me uncomfortable. When I asked why it would, his response was, that's the guy I said tried killing his wife. Back in the late 90s, this man decided he didn't want to be married to his wife anymore as he had another family, apparently. So in his garage, he made his wife of 14 years a, quote, surprise. He told her to wear a blindfold and then led her into the garage where he had spent the past few days rigging eye bolts, a chain, pulley, and a rope with a noose at one end. She thankfully got away, and he later claimed he wanted to send as strong of a message as possible to his wife that the marriage was done. Dude! Just ask for a divorce. Needless to say, I was a bit more cautious when he would joke about doing something crazy when we didn't have his beverage of choice. The reason I had to send this now is because my oldest brother texted me yesterday to say our town was going to be on TV. When I asked why, he told me we would be on ID Discovery. Who the bleep did I marry? We'll be covering this story and the episode should be released sometime in January. Thanks for reading, and I hope it makes it onto the pod. Keep it creepy. Oh, Jess, that is eerie. When you have someone that's joking like that, and you're always like, oh, but they would never be capable of doing something truly horrifying. To have your brother go, that's the one that I told you about that's going to be on investigation discovery. I looked it up. The current season looks like it ended in a... December and none of these seemed the plots of them didn't seem to resonate with this. So I don't think it's come out yet, but I will be keeping an eye on this. And Jess, if you want to DM us or send us an email and let us know maybe the names or the town this was in, I'd be interested to watch this because this is wild. And I would also like to echo just ask for a divorce. Yeah. When people can... go to these links to take out their spouse, when you could also just divorce them, bananas. Also, totally bananas to have a separate family. One is 
so exhausting. How can you have two? I don't understand people that can have two families. It's truly like, I don't know where the time comes from. Yeah. That Ron Swanson said, never half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. And that's just (laughs) good advice in in work and in personal life too. But yeah, to spend multiple days rigging up Mm. bolts and chains and a pulley and things like that. I mean, that is premeditation attempted murder. So I'd be fascinated to know whether he got charged and if so, what the repercussions were. Because you just saying, I want to send a message, a process server, 50 to $150, and you can get him to dress up like a pizza delivery person or a singing telegram or whatever. But there's no need to create a Rube Goldberg death machine for Mm -mm. your spouse who it sounds like he just didn't want to be married anymore. And it wasn't not that you ever, you know, it's not like self-defense. It's just premeditated, cold-blooded murder. Mm -hmm. But I don't want his affiliation to diminish or besmirch the name of Trumu, which is one of the finest chocolate milks, in my (laughs) opinion, that there is. And I love chocolate milk and I'm a connoisseur. I have taste. I I could do a whole thing on chocolate milk, but I won't right now. All I'll say is that Trumu is delicious. It's wonderful. I don't even know that it's made anymore. I think it's gotten bought out and rebranded, but at least in Dallas. But I don't want anyone to sour. You know a lot about this chocolate milk. Well, it used to be Sheps. It's a whole thing. But I don't want this to sour anyone on Trumu, which is a fine, fine beverage. Imagine, though, every week all you come in and you buy is a paper and a Trumu, which, by the way, I get that. It's a good chocolate milk, but I want so bad to call it True Mew, and it's really hard <laughs> for me not to. So I, not, I'm going to call it Sheps. Let's just go back to the milk, OG. Though. Q True Mew. It's not cat milk. It's cow. No, milk. I know. Moo. But true True Mew is like I feel like I'm not. I feel like a toddler trying to talk. Like I'm not really saying the syllables I'm supposed to be saying. I that, get that I am. It I just may feel be. like I'm not. That could be why they renamed it. Because it's like people said that the word in their mouth makes them sick and they don't want to drink the <laughs> beverage and we're not selling. Like we, there's one lady in Dallas that's guzzling this stuff, but she can't hold us afloat. She shouldn't even be drinking that much milk. It's terrible for her. No, no. Yeah. Especially oh. chocolate milk. I, well, as, as much as this guy is a weirdo, I will say as a, a person who does things like, oh, she comes in and buys the same thing over and over. I hesitate to ever judge anyone by repetitive <laughs> behaviors because I tend to do that. Uh, I'll get fixated on certain things. But yeah, this guy. But you don't have what you called, which by the way, great improv troop name, yeah. Rube Goldberg Death Machine. <laughs> you don't have one of these in your garage. So just yeah. on its face. Picking up a dead bird isn't that weird. On its face, buying a paper and a true moo every week, not that weird. But then you find out, oh, this guy's also got a saw situation in his garage. It makes the true moo hit a little different. It indeed it does. Uh, like I said, I don't want to sour the whole beverage, but his fixation on it it does turn weird. That it's like, oh, that's the paper and the milk guy, and he also is <laughs> mm-hmm. he's deranged. I mean, it's truly the type of person that does that is something else. But and then you, you stay in that town, and everybody yes, knows that yeah. about you. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you gotta move to another country if this is your life now like i mean i personally i couldn't no i mean i'm you know he's he doesn't seem to be like he's in jail yeah that's what i'm curious after the fact so i'm very curious to watch who the bleep did i marry which i've never seen before Mm -mm. so but reading the good lord reading the episode descriptions of past seasons there's some 
fucked up people out there, Heather. I don't know if you know that about um, our world. I've been considering that that's a possibility, but (laughs) some of those shows on Investigation Discovery are like a one-way ticket to Anxiety Town for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is all the things I fear all the time. It's like, she thought her husband was a nice filmmaker who loved the Philadelphia Eagles, but when she didn't know, I'm like, no! (laughs) She thought her husband was a hilarious improv teacher and a great dad who edited her podcast. Like, what? So did she know every day he was guzzling True news in the garage. <laughs> the what was he was doing in- with all those empty plastic containers? He she filled- never saw one. Where were they? The it's attic true was mystery. full. Yeah, and he's just—he's built. That's why he fell through something that roof. in the attic. <laughs> he fell through the ceiling in your garage because he was up there sucking down the true news. <laughs> he's like, I need my private time. Tommy, what are you doing? Are you organizing the attic? <laughs> yes, that's what I was doing. <laughs> Have me up there, buddy. I, would be I love so a true bothered move. if I walked. <laughs> Up into the attic, and there's just true moo bottles littering the floor, and a footstool like, where he oh, sits. Oh, is this why we've had a fucking rat issue? Perhaps the chocolate milk bottles all over the house. Invite me up there to pop a cold one, TB. I'm <laughs> I'm down anytime. <laughs> like, where's Heather? Tom, like, where is everybody? I just, I just keep hearing these thumps from upstairs. I don't know what's happening. Oh, well, thank you, Jess, for sharing this and for bringing up Trumu. I'm going to go get myself one later. <laughs> Sinister Hood will be right back. Well, this next one is from Morgan, and it is called My Own Close Call with a Home Invasion. Hi, ladies. Long-time listener, second-time submitter. I was the plaintiff in the case of the demonic doll on an episode of Judge Christie. My mom and I were listening to the Christmas episode of Freaky Friday, and Brandy's story about the unwelcome visitor reminded me of my own home invasion story, and I thought I would share. So this took place in 2018, when I was in my final year of university and living in an area of London that doesn't have the best reputation regarding crime. Let's just say not far from the hunting grounds of Jack the Ripper and leave it at that. I was a harried history student with anxiety and ADHD in the middle of writing my dissertation, living with two guys in a tiny flat, and was understandably very stressed out, literally all the time. One of the guys I lived with was one of my best friends at uni, and he was very posh, privately educated from a military family kind of posh, and was also writing his dissertation while in the process of joining the army. That very stressed out combo is probably what led to the decisions he made on this particular day. I was working in our kitchen, which was on the first floor in a house that had been converted into four flats and had a window that overlooked a small residential car park next to us. There was a group of about five or six guys hanging out in the car park, drinking and smoking and being incredibly loud and rowdy. They were so loud that I could hear them over my headphones and I was getting super annoyed, particularly because it was the middle of the afternoon. My flatmate came into the kitchen and I made a comment to him about how much the dudes in the car park were pissing me off. Now this friend, being a very tall and pretty strong guy who was very confident in himself, decided that he would try to help me out. He opened up the nearby window and called out to the guys outside. Hey lads, you mind keeping it down out there? We're trying to work. 
To most people, this would have been a very polite way to make a very reasonable request. To these guys, it was apparently the worst insult in the world to be asked to quiet down a bit. They began hurling insults at my flatmate, and also at me when they spotted me behind him, and my flatmate began to argue back as they got ruder. Eventually, he shut the window, and we saw the group of guys get up and move away, and we thought that was the end of it. Suddenly, we heard the door to our building open. It was never locked, and I don't remember if we even had a key to it, and incredibly loud voices storming through the entranceway and up the stairs towards our door. I immediately began to panic. My flatmate instead became incredibly calm and told me to go hide in his room, which was furthest away from the door. Luckily, our front door was locked and pretty sturdy, but these guys were banging on our front door, yelling, trying the door handle and trying to burst it open. My flatmate made sure I was hidden behind him and told me to call the police while he kept an eye on the door. It was the most terrifying few minutes of my life as I called and began to tell the dispatcher what was happening. By the grace of whatever force governs the universe, the door held and seemed immovable, Enough that, after a few minutes, the guys gave up and went away, before the dispatcher needed to send over any police. And nothing ever came of it. The police never followed up, and those guys never came back. But I was terrified for the rest of the day and didn't sleep well for weeks afterwards. My poor mother, who was already worried enough for my well-being for other mental health reasons, can corroborate how stressful a time this was for me. I thankfully managed to finish my degree and swiftly moved out of that area and have no plans to ever move back there. Thanks for all you guys do. It's nice to know that other people consider these near misses brushes with true crime, since I've often felt like I was overreacting about the situation as nothing actually happened to me. Needless to say, I've always made sure to lock my doors and I'm constantly thankful for living with other people who don't panic at the first sign of danger. Love y'all, Morgan. There is something unsettling about a rowdy bunch of folks on the move. Like you hear them in the parking lot and they're being rowdy and then you realize it's almost like a little tornado that it's just like starts to whip through something. And it's for some reason like three or more, especially when you get up to like the number five of people Mm -hmm. that are being rowdy and together. It just makes my stomach sick that I'm like, they're capable of anything because you start to feel anonymous and you feel emboldened and empowered as part of a group. A mob mentality. Yes, Morgan. Something happened to you. Don't let anybody say you're overreacting or nothing. Something happened. That's what I was going to say. We don't always have to have, you know, an actual assault on our person to feel like we've had a brush with true crime and be affected by something. I mean, the emotional toll that something like this takes on you, and you know that these guys know where you live and that they're clearly bold enough to come up to your door and try and break it down, which, I mean, if they got in, Then what? That's not going to end well. So don't think that just because nothing, you know, physically happened to you, that nothing happened to you because emotional stuff can be just as damaging and and hard to get over. So you definitely had something taxing happened. And I'm glad that your roommate or flatmate is somebody that is calm under pressure. We all need somebody like that. 
I yeah. am usually yes. I was going to say certain situations. Now, if it involves <laughs> if a rodent, four legged, this does not <laughs> apply. But in situations where, yeah. like, the shit hits the fan in other ways, I do tend to get a calm head about me. But that doesn't mean that um, I'm going to be able to stop whatever's busting down a door if it's five <laughs> drunk and rowdy guys on the other side of it. or whatever. Now, I will say there was a recent viral video of two women driving and a brunette's in the driver's seat and the blonde's in the passenger seat. And a car kind of like bumps out in front of them and hits them. And the brunette's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And the blonde's like, pull to the side, remain calm. Like, she's very like, and she's like, don't call mom yet. So I was like, it's clearly the older sister. But it totally <laughs> reminded me and you when back when I had my beetle. And mm-hmm. we were driving back in the rain from my sister's, from house, sister's and like, house. Somebody started skidding, and I was like, ah, 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 and you were like, maintain control, stay the course. <laughs> like it was very calm of like, you've got this, you can do it. And so there is something about that of like, stand behind me, lock yourself in your room, call 911, I've got this. That you're like, okay, like somebody in that panic state needs mm-hmm. to kind of take the reins. But to your point of like, it not actually being anything, but in at least in the, the states, you know, assault is putting somebody in reasonable fear of bodily harm, and then battery is like actually it depends on what states but common law wise you Mm -hmm. know battery is like the actual physical harm so you know when you like you're gonna punch someone or like hold them at knife point i mean that's an assault like you're afraid they're gonna do something so yeah them rowdy banging on your doors god knows what they were screaming and especially if him saying hey lads you mind being quiet they're like i'll fucking kill you and you're like what the fuck (laughs) you're like i'm just it's two in the afternoon bro like i'm just trying to work in here yeah calm down but that unreasonable like Mm -hmm. extreme reaction i absolutely think you were reasonable to fear your safety and and i'm glad that nothing happened and thank thank god for that door holding but that is scary but that mob mentality mm -mm. no i like the by the grace of whatever force governs the universe i think that's how we people should start getting married that's what we should say at the end of it from now on. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'll say we're going to be like, instead of by the power vested in me, and since Morgan already submitted a uh, a case to your jurisdiction, Your Honor, it can be now we'll say Judge Christie's jurisdiction is global and by the force of whatever governs the universe, <laughs> her, her rulings are final. I love it. Thank you so much, Morgan. Well, this next one is from Jules, and the subject line is... It's like he comes back for the big moments. I'd like to start off by saying I appreciate your hard work, your humor, and your justifiable rage that occasionally peeks out in the stories you tell. I've been sitting on a story of my own, unsure of who might be interested, until I heard a story in the last Freaky Friday episode of 2023 that prompted me to send this in. My story is not exactly paranormal, but rather uncanny in nature, and I still get goosebumps sometimes. Trigger warning, this story includes the death of a sibling. I lost my brother to cancer in 2015, just two months before he turned 30. I watched him suffer, and I heard his regrets. I felt so lost after he died because all of a sudden, I had this unfamiliar and unwanted new life split into before and after. My brother was always the bold and seemingly fearless one. I was ruled by my anxiety and self-doubt. I decided early on in my grief that I would start to live my life the way my brother did. I would keep myself open to new experiences and allow myself to take what might seem like risks. I wanted to honor my brother's memory by living a fuller life with less regrets at the end. A few months after he died, 
I met someone through a mutual friend. I had previously rejected said friend's offer to set us up, saying, no, my life's too complicated, something which is morbidly funny in hindsight. This time, I decided, why not? We hit it off right away, and spoiler, we're now married. A year into long-distance dating, we talked about moving in together. I lived in a small town with little opportunities, while he had an apartment in a medium-sized city. My moving would mean giving up my job and selling my house, but as I lived five minutes or less away from memories I felt tormented by, I was conflicted. A few nights after my boyfriend and I had this talk, I had a dream that I was out biking, something I often did to clear my head. I got lost and had to stop at a small store to get directions. Once inside, I saw the door open behind me. It was my brother. I said, I'm so glad to see you. I've been having horrible dreams lately that you died. He smiled at me and shook his head, and I started to cry. I told him, I'm so lost. I need your help. Where do I go? He said, I could tell you, but I think it's better if you figure it out for yourself. My brother then gave me a big hug before saying goodbye and walking back out. I woke up in tears, hugging my pillow. I've always been blessed slash cursed to remember most of my dreams, and years later, this one is still as vivid as though it actually happened. My boyfriend and I moved my stuff into his apartment about six months later. Things continue to go well for us. Ahead of our fifth anniversary, we talked about buying a house and getting engaged. We soon found a house we liked and put an offer on it. We were told that the sellers would review all offers and make a decision in two days. In the meantime, I was heading out of town to look at wedding dresses. My boyfriend said he'd call to let me know what the sellers decided. That night, I dreamed I was standing in front of a house with a moving van in the driveway. Suddenly, someone came out of the back of the van carrying a stack of boxes. It was my brother. He looked me straight in the eyes and said, yeah, yeah, don't start bawling. We have work to do. He then headed into the house, which is when I woke up. When my boyfriend called me that night, I knew the sellers had accepted our offer. Shortly after moving in, we found out I was pregnant. I ended up having a high-risk pregnancy with a cancer scare thrown in as a fun bonus. To our relief and to the surprise of my healthcare team, I had an early C-section delivery of a healthy baby boy. When my brother's birthday came that year, I talked to my sleeping newborn about his uncle, who I always thought of as our guardian angel during my pregnancy. I took a moment to thank my brother for whatever he did to help us. The next night, I had a dream that I walked into my son's nursery to see my brother holding my son. He had tears in his eyes and the biggest smile on his face as he looked at his nephew. He didn't say anything, but I got the feeling he was responding to my saying thank you. Two years later, I found out I was pregnant again. Since I had such a challenging first pregnancy, we didn't tell a lot of people until I was past 16 weeks. Just before our official announcement, I had, as of now, the last dream of my brother. In my dream, he was trying to jump on my back for a piggyback ride, something he did a lot during his days as an annoying teenage brother. I told him off for being rough, telling him that he needs to watch it because I was pregnant. His eyes lit up with excitement as he shouted, You are? Maybe it's because I'll never have these actual experiences with my brother that these dreams mean so much. They're simply shadows of moments that we'll never get to share, but they're better than nothing. Considering how often I think about him, especially because my youngest son shares my brother's tenacity, he's only been in my dreams a handful of times. 
He visited me when I needed him and when I had a happy moment to celebrate. Now that I have my own family, which I owe to my brother's influence regarding taking chances, I wonder if his absence is because I found the things in life we were both searching for. I hope, wherever my brother is, he's untethered from all the pain he felt when he was alive. That he shed his regrets so he's free to just ride the wind or crash among the waves. If you made it this far, thank you for offering up a bit of your platform so we listeners can share our stories as a means of catharsis. Keep it creepy, friends. Jules. Well, I love that you are honoring his life by applying the way he lived his to Mm -hmm. how you live yours, which has worked out so well because you found the love of your life and have two kids now. So that's amazing. That's beautiful. And I do think that's a way to keep people with us and keep their memories alive is doing something that they would have done or that they wanted to do or that they encouraged you to do and kind of using that oomph, that energy from them that's now kind of been disseminated out into the universe in whatever way you believe. And that it, that keeps their memory alive for your kids. Like when your kids ask, you know, how'd you mm-hmm. meet dad? You're like, well, I really wasn't into it, but your uncle, you know, he always said, don't live life with regrets. And I thought, why not? Well, then what that's going to do is teach your kids like, oh, I shouldn't live life with regrets. Mm-hmm. I should say, why not? And so in that case, you know, the legacy just keeps on and on. And so I think things like that are very beautiful. As for the dreams, I love a visitation dream. I've had a few uh, with my dad and with my grandmother. I had like a Dumbledore-esque dream with my grandmother once, but always it would be like the person is very close to you and like speaking directly to you and you feel like, oh my gosh, that wasn't just like a rehash of a memory. And so whether that's our brains taking the form of somebody that we need to tell us what we need to hear. Or like you said, uh, Jules, it's a, uh, a stand-in for moments you don't get to have. It's, it's lucky when we have those. Yes, it is. And they can feel very, very real. And like you said, stick with you for decades after. Like mm-hmm. I've had dreams like that too, where, you know, and there are some that think like they are loved ones visiting us. So whether mm-hmm. it's our brains helping us out or our subconscious or uh the whatever governs the universe doing yeah. something they're always nice to have those it's even if they're few and far between they came at a time when you needed them most so that's i love that yeah and thank you jules for being one of our many wonderful listeners that write in we're happy to offer this platform for your for catharsis because sure. it's also cathartic for us to hear these stories and to share them and it may uh help uh trip something trigger something in somebody else in a good positive way and uh Absolutely. now we can all live like uh, Jules's brother and make sure we don't live with regrets. No regrets, 2024. That's right. Thank you, Jules. Sinisterhood will be right back. This next one is from Elena, and the subject line is Glitch in the Matrix. Hi, friends. I just wanted to share a weird experience I had recently and still can't explain. Last winter, our area got record snowfall, and as a result, there was lots of flooding in the spring and early summer. There's a walking path along the river near my house, and it was completely flooded for the first half of summer. People were kayaking on it. I like to take my dog walking there, so we'd go and check it out periodically to see if the flooding had receded. By the time fall hit, it was back to normal. This winter, we've had very little snowfall, and I was walking that path with my dog a few weeks ago. I rounded a corner and saw that a stretch of the trail was flooded again. My dog doesn't like water, so we also stopped when we saw it. 
I thought the flooding was weird because of how little precipitation we've had, and I took out my phone to snap a picture for my roommate. But when I took the picture, the path was normal? I looked up and there was absolutely no flooding. The pavement wasn't even wet. My dog was hesitant to continue forward, so we went back the way we came. I have no reasonable explanation. It was 20 degrees out, so I think we can be sure it wasn't a heat mirage, and there was no ice or water of any sort on the path, just leaves. I guess I just hallucinated? Based on my dog's behavior, I'm pretty positive he saw it too, but then again, he may have just been responding to my own behavior. It was super weird, and I've thought about it a ton since then. I'll include the photo I took and one of the flooded park for comparison. What do you think? Was it a glitch? And then we have two photos. And yeah, one of them with the pup is not flooded and one of them is very flooded. One of them's very, this is a beautiful area. Mm -hmm. One of them, yeah, totally covered. And then the one that I imagine was taken the day that this glitch occurred covered with leaves just a ton of fall leaves and a very sweet doggo with a cute little purple bandana just sitting there posing for the camera i know i love a dog that'll just sit there and pose and yeah look straight into it. it's They're like, like I, know you know. The, I know i understand the assignment thank <laughs> yeah, you yeah you know you're cute but that's wild and i things like that that happen i have to just say it's the simulation has gone awry <laughs> <laughs> something they they messed up there's a there is a glitch in the matrix the code got twisted and something happened you saw what you saw don't let anybody tell you to see what you saw i wish it had been you got a picture of it flooded mm-hmm. and then you looked back and it but that's not how it works because they're on to us they know yeah. they control the cameras so i was gonna you know. say they control the photos in your phone once you take it and they're like oh shit she got switch it out switch it out quickly <laughs> with them Put the dog in. Photoshop the dog in and make it look perfect. No, not too perfect. They're like, it's too late. The dog's too perfect. <laughs> so that's why this picture is sus and that dog's too perfect because the Matrix mm-hmm. overlords are the ones, the forces that govern the universe. Yeah. Who's God. to say who they are? My logic part of my brain is like, well, you may have anticipated it being flooded. So you just, you know, it's like you kind of just glance at something and then you're thinking about it. So you're like, Oh, and then you realize, Oh, maybe I was just daydreaming or I was anticipating it. So I thought it would look like that, but then it wasn't, but Mm -mm. it could also be the overlords. There was a (laughs) small glitch and you (laughs) saw through it. Now they're onto us. They're probably going to edit this out of the podcast episode so that nobody even hears it. So they can't even know that there is possibly a glitch. The only other possible explanation in the background, I do see what looks like some water in the background. So perhaps that like to the left of where Mm -hmm. the dog is. So perhaps that caught your eye and you see the shimmer of that water and you're like, oh shit, it's still flooded. And then Mm -hmm. you like turn. But I don't know for as uh, long as it sounds like she looked at it, that, uh, it's more of a glitch, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and dogs, animals know things. So who's to say why uh, he didn't want to keep walking? Mm-mm. Was it the water? Was it shit was red blue pill, blue pill was popping off in front of him? He's Morpheus like, I don't is know down what there. To do. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm trying to go on a walk. I'm not trying to decide my fate or the fate of the mm-hmm. universe. But uh, a very cute dog. So I welcome any Freaky Friday stories that involve a dog picture. Or well, uh, yeah. do you uh, invite ones that uh, involve a picture of a different type of animal? Oh, yes, I do. 
Well, thank you very much for sending that in, Elena. Sinisterhood, we'll be right back. This last one is from Hunter, and the subject line is, You Never Know What You'll Find in Texas. Hi, Christy and Heather. Thank you for being the podcast that got me addicted to podcasts. My house is much cleaner now that I have my besties to keep me entertained, and my dog appreciates the extra walking time while I can't help but finish the latest episode of Sinisterhood I'm hooked on. I especially love hearing the wide variety of spooky stories on Freaky Fridays. My husband and I were reminiscing about past adventures this week when we recalled a very weird site we came across in Texas in January 2021 that I thought you may find interesting. During the pandemic, my now husband and I made the most out of a crazy time and took the opportunity to live and work out of an RV full-time while traveling around the U.S. with our border collie. After spending some time in the western U.S., we made our way down to Port Aransas, Texas for the holiday season. We planned on staying only a couple weeks, but ended up really enjoying the area and stayed for three months. Our main draw was that we landed a spot at a very nice RV park with direct access to a massively long stretch of Gulf Beach. It was a surprisingly quiet area, and we would take long walks with our dog in the afternoon after work only passing by a few local fishermen or other dog walkers, and sometimes nobody at all. On one particular evening, we took a long walk down the stretch to get exercise, per our usual routine. It was past sunset and well into dusk when we started making our way back. Taking in the emerging stars and the ocean waves, we appeared to be the only people left on the beach. Up ahead, we watched as our dog, enjoying some off-leash romping time, approached an odd lump about halfway up the beach ahead of us that had not been there earlier. Thinking it was probably trash or a dead fish washed up, we called him back and leashed him before approaching the object. Once we made our way to the mound, we were shocked. There, in the sand, was a clearly man-made circle, lumped up in the middle into a mound. Sticking out atop the mound was a sort of wooden cross within a triangular frame, and leaning against the cross, on top of its perfectly molded sand bean bag, was a large, freshly dead possum, guts spewing out. In a double display of extraness, there were strands of grass and seed pods meticulously laid around within the circle, and several dead fish were propped up against the possum's throne with one laying directly across the lap of the possum. Realizing that this weird altar-slash-ritual had to have been created in the hour or so that we had walked up the beach, we anxiously scanned the area to see if anyone was around. There was nobody else on the beach for as far as we could see. At this point, we were very freaked out about what this thing was, what its purpose could be, and who created it. So we got the hell out of there as fast as we could, failing to take any photos in the moment. We got back home safely to our friendly, peaceful, snowbird RV community and pondered about what we had witnessed. Why would someone take what was, hopefully, a fresh, road-killed possum, carry it to the beach, build it across, and place dead fish and leaves around it? Early the next morning, I had to go back and see if it was still there. Surely enough, it was though far less fresh and a little less freaky by the light of the day, but no less weird. 
The shorebirds had pecked away most of the fish and guts, save for a prickly porcupine fish. The birds, or the nightly wind, had also carried away most of the neatly laid grass that had surrounded the altar. Yet, there was no mistaking that what we had seen the night before was real. This time, I snapped a couple pictures, and I included one for you to see. Warning, it's not a pretty sight. Shortly after this event, that massive winter storm and power grid outage came through and gave us a taste of post-apocalyptic life before we decided to make our way out of Texas. Still, when the time is right, we think back to that super weird night on the Texas Gulf. I still wonder what the purpose of that possum altar was. Was it some sort of ritual offering to honor nature or a life-giving deity? Or was it something more sinister? Well, a picture has been sent, and I gotta say, weirder than I was envisioning. By a lot. Absolutely. There is no mistaking. There's a 0% chance this is naturally occurring. No, no. Zero, zero percent chance. And and Hunter did a very good job of describing the scene. But even having heard that and then looking at it, it's two totally different things. So it's, if you had probably a four foot radius circle of sand that you just dug out. So there's, you know, like uh, a moat, if you will, like Mm -hmm. a circle moat. And then in the middle hollowed out is like she said, like a bean bag, almost like a molded bean bag, which the possum is sat upon. Yeah. And then the the stick thing is bigger than I was thinking it it would be. I, agree. I mean it's a huge ass branch and then two um like an A frame almost mm-hmm. like a Whataburger. Yeah, with the big wooden cross in the middle of it. It's mm-hmm. this is so bizarre. Yeah, and then the grass kind of around the edges and yet the it's not just that it was dug out because the circle the circle around the the possum and the cross is rounded off and it's like packed down. Like the yeah. sand has been like molded and packed down. And the same with the beanbag. It's not just a sort of mound of sand. It's like someone took probably mm-hmm. water or something to, and like slapped it, you know, to kind of get it. They had to use tools. a shovel, their hands. They was like building a sandcastle, except it was a throne for this dead possum, which then... They gathered a bunch of dead fish and put it on top of as a little, uh, I don't know, an offering to yeah. the possum to something else. Yeah, possibly just like a thing yeah. to freak people out. This seems like it would take a while to do that, for yeah. this to be completed in an hour. Is strange. It's not their first time digging out a possum throne <laughs> on the beach in Port Aransas, Texas. Wild stuff goes on in Port Aransas. It's a, a hoot for a vacation. But this is, if it is ritualistic, my only concern is that don't manhandle roadkill. I learned Mm-mm. that from the taxidermy class I took when the, the young lady that was my fellow classmate. It, it shouldn't surprise any of you, a lot of odd ducks in the first timer (laughs) taxidermy class but the one gal was very eager to do it because she had quote tried a bunch of times at home and quote made a real big mess and the person the like legitimate taxidermist that was running the show was like well where did you get your the subjects and she's like oh she i got a spatula and a walmart bag and she was like 
Mm-mm. No, and that's the the person's nope. the woman's eyes got so big. He goes, "Oh my god, never ever ever touch roadkill!" Like there's so many. She said there are diseases doctors have never even heard of, which I don't yeah. know if that's true, but <laughs> well, maybe there are. You like, know I what? Think I bet she won't touch roadkill again. <laughs> no. The bacteria alone so who knows much. what's going yeah. on. Yeah, that's no, it's definitely not healthy, and yeah. it's also not healthy. To put it on a public beach. Yeah, that's where the concern. A dog Children can run play, dogs are running around. I mean, people are walking. It's the only, my first thought was a bunch of kids doing something mm-hmm. fucked up. Just stupid, to do yeah. something stupid and fucked up. I don't I You don't find know. a possum on the road, you're like, let's go give it like a fucking funeral at the beach, yeah. man. And you're like, Yeah, dude. And you're like, Don't bury it, man. Put it on the throne. He's this opossum kingdom, man. They're like, That's not what this is. This is the goal. It's not possum kingdom lake. And it's like, but it's his uh, kingdom, man. It's what the if they were like kingdom. Yeah. They're like, This might not be possum kingdom, but this was this possum's kingdom. For those yeah. of you not from this area. Area. Possum Kingdom is another lake in a in an area. So yeah, I was like, this is the ocean, guys. Us. Yeah, this is the ocean, fellas. This ain't this ain't a lake. But it's so strange. And yeah, the crosses throw me off too because yeah. it's clearly it's clearly something. You know, it's not an accident. No, none of this was an accident for sure. And if I was just walking back on the beach and I strolled past this an hour before, and then this was there. I would be very freaked out for sure. Yeah, exactly what Hunter did where you're like, let's look around because I want to know where this person went because I want to know if they washed their hands after manhandling a possum corpse you know yeah. or dead fish dead fish is also there could be diseases oh gross it. yeah yeah this yeah. is also the beaches of texas <laughs> yeah i mean you see all the seaweed in the background it tells you everything you need to know about should we go to the gulf and like have a beach vacay you can but the sand fleas are plentiful, oh, are plentiful. i found out some stuff about sand not too long ago that has What's- turned me off beaches oh that you can get the sand the mites they get up under your skin yeah yeah, that didn't we read some story yeah. together about a guy getting buried? Yes, in the sand. He and wasn't then they laying- like crawled under his skin. Mm-hmm. They did the like six foot down in the hole yeah. burial up to his neck versus like you're laying there. Someone puts the sand over you, makes you look like a mermaid, or makes you look like you got titties or whatever. Like hilarious. <laughs> the we're talking horizontal burial is fine. It's the up and down like. Straight I don't even know style. that horizontal is something I want to do. I no, don't want all that sand on me. I got Dogs, too many nooks. shit. There's mites and everything. Too many nah. nooks, too many crannies, too many <laughs> grains of sand to find no. their way in. So, no. but uh, yeah, the old beaches of Texas. <laughs> That's exactly, you know what? The fact that this is in Texas, 0% surprised, by the way. No, yeah. <laughs> this should be uh, on a billboard for vacationing in Port Aransas. Or is <laughs> all the people I grew up with called it port a port a oh are you going to port a for spring break are you going to port a <laughs> no i'm not because the beaches have dead rodents and fish all over them yeah they have to take uh when i went to galveston down you know a little bit of a ways away from there but same beach same uh part of the ocean they had like had like trucks with uh mm-hmm. you had to scoop all of the dead seaweed off of it mm-hmm. and of course you know at night the ocean is light lit at a glow with the oil rigs out there drilling so yeah. Uh, the very peaceful of Southern Texas. <laughs> it's very, it's very uh, yeah, it's, it's scenic. It's, uh, you know, 
You just look out. You're like, wow, is that the glimmer of the water just reflecting off the moon? Yet? You're like, no, it's spilled oil. It's killing all of us and <laughs> yes. the sea life. I remember telling my friend one time when I was about to go to the uh, this beach trip in Galveston, he goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the Bahamas this summer. I go, I'm going to the beach, too. And he goes, where? And I go, Galveston. He goes, well, that's not really the same. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, mm, and he looked around and, he, and there was a plastic spoon. And then he like went to the drawer and got a fine silver spoon. And he goes, like, these are both spoons, right? <laughs> and I was like, all yeah. right, I see what you mean. He's like, you can scoop ice cream with both of them, right? And I was like, right. Okay. But one of them is probably going to break off in your mouth and maybe cut your tongue. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, sweet Texas. Home sweet oh, home. Oh, sweet. Home sweet home. Home sweet <laughs> possum kingdom home. Wow. Yeah, well, what a time, Hunter. I'm glad you all got out of here. Thanks. Right? Especially 2021. That was a, in all, not a funny thing. That was heinous. And it was a post, it was pop. Oh, my God. It was yeah. post-apocalyptic feeling. Yeah, for sure. We all learned that um, our state does not know what to do when the temperatures drop to a certain degree. It no. turns out what just happens is everybody loses power and freezes and it's real bad yeah it's every, we were like we always thought everybody in charge was dumb as hell and then they proved it so <laughs> and sadly enough like i worked at legal aid at the time and it was terrible mm-hmm. i mean from every aspect of the loss of life into the loss of property people were on you know displaced from their homes so good on you hunter for getting out and uh when you did and may the grids hold <laughs> the grids hold this year please please well thank you so much everyone for sending in your freaky friday stories if you have an odd but true story maybe you've encountered bigfoot you've seen a ufo you had a brush with true crime or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being send them in at sinisterhood.com slash freaky friday If you like our free episodes, you'll love our Patreon bonus content. You can join for free to see what we're up to next or dive into over 500 hours of bonus content. We have a recent mini-sode about Tommy Thompson, the treasure hunter that said, I'll die first before I tell you where these gold coins are. And turns out he might. He, he might, might die just in die in prison over, yeah. the, over the refusal to give up this information. We we stand somebody that's like, I'll die on this hill. <laughs> yeah, right. He follows like- through on it. Yeah, pry them from my cold, dead hands. We also have a recent Judge Christie up where we have uh, a couple of the funniest cases that we've come across in a while involving uh, new parents and having to go to the bathroom, some very loud neighbors, as well as uh, one of the uh, pretty heinous crime that the person's been sentenced for 13 years in jail <laughs> 13 years. by Judge Christie. And by the power of the forces that control the universe, he will never get out for what he's nope. done. Mm-mm, never. Well, head to SinisterHood.com and click shop on the top banner to check out Sinisterhood merch like t-shirts, mugs, totes, stickers, and even clothes for your kiddos. While you're on our website, you can also review the show, follow us on socials, and check out the episode description. You'll also find fun things like topic-based playlists and links to live show tickets. 
You can follow us on Instagram and threads at Sinisterhood Pod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. You can watch video versions of our Wednesday episodes. We have some bonus content that's up there uh, as best of. And our Friday guest interviews. Interviews with all of our Freaky Friday guests over on our YouTube channel at Sinisterhood Podcast. Same handle as our TikTok channel where you can see clips that we make. And if you want a clip of us of your own, head over to Cameo.com and search Sinisterhood and have us deliver custom video shout outs for you. Say happy birthday, happy anniversary. I love you. Happy Valentine's Day. It's never mm-hmm. too early to start thinking about that for the Sinisterhood lover in your life. Galentine's Day for your bestie. Love it. Arbor Day for whatever thing you want to celebrate. We want to be there for it. Cameo.com. Search Sinisterhood. Christy, where can they find you on the internet? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? Pretty much everywhere at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. <laughs> Keep it creepy. <laughs> <laughs> in